Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. I am so excited to welcome Amanda Singer to the program today. I met Amanda recently at a conference in Chicago. I had a great time, uh, believe it or not, at a divorced financial planning conference. And uh, I met Amanda and I just knew that she needed to be on the program. Let me tell you a little bit about her background. It's unique uh, in that she is a professional family mediator. She's the co-owner of San Diego Family Mediation Center. And the part that's unique is she's a licensed attorney and while she doesn't currently practice, she uses that uh, background in addition to her certified divorce financial analyst uh, certification to really help couples, families, um, and uh, women work through the divorce process. So Amanda works to help families improve communication, solve problems, reach agreements while staying out of court. She's on the board of the Academy of Professional Family Mediators and is a co-chair for this year's conference. She earned her JD from Chapman University School of Law while completing her master's degree in dispute resolution from the Strauss Pepperdine University School of Law. She earned her bachelor's degree in sociology, which is interesting to me, from Brandeis University. Um, that's in Boston, so I've, I've certainly spent a little time at Brandeis and has completed her courses as the certified divorce financial analyst, uh, San Diego. Family Mediation Center, uh, which she co-owns, works with families dealing with a variety of family issues, including divorce mediation, premarital mediation, uh, which I believe will be the focus of what we're talking about today, and blended families and parenting plans. Amanda, welcome to Breaking Money Silence. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of di uh, dive right in. You have a great myth that we're going to be talking about today. And the myth you chose to bust wide open is getting a prenup means we will get divorced. So tell me a little bit about what motivated you to pick that myth. Yeah, I was motivated to pick this one because I think that too many people are afraid of getting a, pre a prenup because they think they're going to get divorced and they just don't really understand the benefits. And, you know, in my years of practice and doing premarital mediation and drafting prenuptial agreements and working with clients who are, you know, in the beginning stages, you know, who are engaged and beginning stages of getting married, have realized that it's a really great tool for them. And, you know, I think the issue is, is that one, prenups don't really scream romance. That's not something that you want to be talking about while you're planning a wedding. But also, there's kind of this fear around if somebody asks me for a prenup, does it mean that they don't trust me or they don't want to share their finances while they're married? So before we get into what it really is about, do you have any sense of, of 
why this myth has come to pass. I, I understand you just label kind of the automatic assumptions that people have, but is there any history that would make it make sense as to why we always think, ooh, prenup, that, that marriage is destined for divorce? Yeah, I think that, you know, until more recently, the only times that people asked for a prenup is when there was kind of a un, unequal um, wealth. And so if one side came from a family with a lot of money, there was this kind of expectation of, well, they would get a prenup and that's because they didn't want their you know future spouse to get anything. And in addition to it coming from the spouse, a lot of times it came from the family. So the idea that if maybe you had a family trust or you were, you know, um, your family was wealthy, that they would require almost that you had a prenup. And it was done in a way that, you know, one person hired an attorney that drafted up this document. And it was kind of, I think, oftentimes surprised to the other person. They weren't included in the process. So they didn't feel the same buy-in. Okay. So it's good to know that that's not typically how it works nowadays. So tell me and people who are listening in, kind of what is the reality when it comes to a prenup and the process that's involved? Yeah, so the reality I'd say with the prenup is that it's more about opening the lines of communication before you get married, especially surrounding finances and understanding how do you want to handle things while you're married. And in the unfortunate case, if you do get divorced or even certain things that we deal with um, upon death, what, how do you want that to look? Because I always tell my clients that if you don't have a prenup, you do have something. It's whatever state you live in. So I'm here in California. So I always say you do have one. It's the community property laws of California. And you may live in a state where you agree or disagree with the way that they would handle things upon divorce. And so it's a way to have those conversations and be open about it such that you hopefully never have to use it, but you've had those conversations. And honestly, because you're having those conversations, you've disclosed to each other all of your finances, you've had conversations about how you want to do things, how you want to own property, you're actually less likely to get divorced because you're starting off from a place of equality and knowing you know, your partner's situation. Which so many people don't break that money silence before marriage. Do you have any sense of why it's so challenging for couples to engage in, in a money conversation before marriage? Um, I think there's certainly a couple reasons. I would say, you know, personally, I think knowing that it's a difficult conversation to have in that, you know, how do you bring it up? When do you bring it up? And, you know, if you've been, I know you talk a lot about this, but what your kind of, how you feel about talking about money and how you've grown up that way is going to depend on whether you want to discuss that with your partner. And especially if you guys grew up in very kind of different, um, you know, environments, you may feel that you don't mesh necessarily on on that. I think people also have a fear of being judged by their partner for whatever their financial situation is. Um, but the issue is, is that if you don't talk about it, you don't actually know what that is. Yes. And you do hear the horror stories of people, you know, getting married and then all of a sudden discovering that their partner has an incredible amount of student debt or credit card debt or some sort of you know, previous bankruptcy or something like that. And um, I think that that may be more of a breach of trust than actually asking to have the prenuptial conversation, whether it ends up being a prenuptial document, at least there could be a conversation. 
Yeah, yeah certainly. And, you know, I know personally, you know, my boyfriend and I had these conversations really early on. Now I'm in the field I'm in and he's a CFP. So that's a little bit different. But knowing that from the get-go, we both knew what our financial situations looked like. We talked about credit scores. We talked about, you know, debt and assets that we had. It made the conversation that much easier because we both know what's going on. Right. And so, you know, one of the statistics that is so fascinating to me is the idea, and I believe it was Fidelity did a a research project, and it basically said, or study, and it said that uh, a large percentage of partners could not guess their partner's salary accurately, and a certain percentage was off by over $25,000. And so I thought to myself, wow, um, to not know what your partner makes and then to really be off by that large amount. um, Do you think that there's a difference in these conversations when one partner makes a lot of money and the other person doesn't? Uh, Or do you find that, you know, people who make an equal amount can come in and and have the same type of premarital conversation? I think that when there's a difference in how much they make and a large difference, sometimes there's a concern of the inequality and how they're going to handle things while they're married. Um, I think that it can be harder because, you know, if, if one person makes three times what the other person makes, you can't split everything equally because that, you know, there's just not, you know, the same amount of money to go around. And so I think that, you know, when they make a similar amount of amount of money, those conversations are sometimes easier because they know how they can do things and they both know that they can contribute to expenses, but also have, you know, money to do other things, uh, which is harder when one person makes more and one person makes less. So tell me when somebody comes in and they're, you know, a couple talking about a prenup and there is that inequality in terms of at least income and, you know, part of a prenup is to protect, you know, their assets and any intellectual property that they have or, you know, whatever resources they have. How do you initiate that conversation? I mean, you are in a position where they've already come and asked for help, but how do you get that conversation started? Yeah, so one of the ways that we um, work with couples is first off, majority of the time, I'm doing this with both spouses together, so or future spouses, I guess, but I'm sitting down with both of them and having a joint conversation, which I think opens that in a much easier way. Um, the other thing we do is that, you know, they're required to do financial disclosures for a prenup, and so I'm from the get-go letting them know, okay, we're going to go through all of your assets, your debts, we're going to talk about your income, and we're going to talk about expenses. So it's kind of set up from the beginning that this is how we're going to do it and I provide worksheets to them that that we that we then discuss when we meet as well so that we can all be on the same page so that when they do decide how they want to handle things in a prenup they're coming from a place where everything has been disclosed. Now do you ever find people come in for this process and then um, decide not to get married? You know, I don't think I've personally had any of those, um, but I certainly have heard stories and have seen that from other attorneys. I think that that's where if you kind of sometimes you're almost ambushing the other person and that they're surprised by the fact that you're asking for a prenup, it makes it a much more kind of acrimonious process than something that should be something where you're working with your partner. I mean, you're in the process of planning a wedding and planning a life together. You should be planning a prenup together too. 
Yeah, and you know, that brings to mind the whole idea of what's the right time to do a prenup. I know that from a legal standpoint, you can't, you know, like, you know, hand somebody something the day before they walk down the aisle and say, sign it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fair. Um, But when do you recommend people start this process? So I would recommend that people start it kind of as early as possible. And I only say that because I can't tell you how many people come to me in the last like month or two before the wedding wanting to get it done. And like you mentioned, there are, you know, legal, um, legal requirements. I mean, here in California, you have to have it at least a week before the wedding. You know, every state's a little bit different, but there's always something to kind of protect the fact of here, sign this or we don't get married tomorrow, you know, something like that. And so I think that it really is, if you're, if you're thinking about it, it's something to bring up early on so that there's not any surprises and it gives you time to have the conversations and then meet with the correct professionals and get it out of the way so that you're not stressing about that. I've had couples where we're trying to get it signed, you know, like a week before the wedding and that's stressful for them. Yeah, well, having gone through a wedding and certainly witnessed many people go through a wedding, the week before the wedding is usually a little crazy. Uh, in terms of all that you need to get done and all that you're thinking and you're emotional. And so I imagine that that would not be ideal. Um, The other thing that comes to mind for me, Amanda, is how much money symbolizes so many other things. So um, when you're sitting there, and I know you're doing the communication part and the mediation part and and drafting up the document, but are there ever times where you can pick up on, oh, this couple may need you know, something else in addition to what I'm doing with them? Or or is that just not in your purview at all? No, it certainly is. I think that there's a couple things that come to mind with that. The first being that, you know, I want to know what other kind of professionals and, you know, things that they have or haven't done already. So, for example, you know, I often suggest that they start working with a financial planner or advisor to kind of take what they want to do one, you know, those steps further, because that's not what I do with them, Um, but able to understand, you know, where could they maybe need some extra help. Also, making sure, you know, on the estate planning side of things, that what they decided for their prenup, they're going to make sure that's also carried out in any, you know, trust or will or other documents that they prepare. So really kind of being aware of the other professionals and the other things that come into play when they get married. You know, we're, we, we work this way both on the pre marital side as well as the divorce mediation, but really looking at it as a holistic approach of understanding that clients are going to need many different services and we want to make sure that they know where to find those. Excellent. I love that team approach. Uh, We're with Amanda Singer. She's talking about the myth getting a prenup means we will divorce and she's busting that myth wide open. We'll be back in a minute. Did you know that 44% of Americans would rather talk about politics, religion, and death than personal finance? And there's a real cost to this money silence, to society, your family, and the next generation. Kathleen Burns Kingsbury's new book, Breaking Money Silence, How to Shatter Money Taboos, Talk More Openly About Finances, and Live a Richer Life, explores the history of the money talk taboo and offers readers practical tips and tools for engaging in healthy financial communication. Pick up your copy today. Breaking Money Silence is available on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. Join the revolution at www.breakingmoneysilence.com.
I'm with Amanda Singer, and she's talking about the myth, getting a prenup means we will divorce. And we are already, we've already uh, busted that myth open by talking about how this process can open lines of communication, uh, the timing of trying not to wait to the last minute to do this, to engage in this conversation as early and as often as you can. And also, you know, I think one of the things that, that struck me that we just talked about before the break was the idea that you know, she can also be someone who can introduce you to different professionals that you may need during your married life. Uh, Amanda, I'm going to short, share just a very quick story um, that's in my book, Breaking Money Silence. When my husband and I got engaged, um, I was not in this profession and I um, and was not very much aware of my own money psychology. Um, so literally the first thing we did after meet the parents and show them the ring is we went to the bank and I took all of his money out of his account and put it into a joint checking account that then I proceeded to control for the first 10 years of our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, he was very happy to have me do that. And I was very happy to do that. It wasn't until later on in our marriage, as you can imagine, um, that system blew up because it became really important for our relationship and for our financial management and the health of us as individuals, as well as a couple to figure out, okay, how can we talk about money? How can we manage money together? I'm happy to say we have done that. Um, but certainly that's something that if we had gone and had a prenuptial conversation with you, you probably would have been like, hmm, Kathleen, you might want to think that through a little bit. So, um, you know, are there certain tips or tools or things that you can offer to people who are listening in who are engaged in thinking about getting a prenup or maybe dating seriously and, and thinking about this um, for them to consider? Yeah, I think that it's, you know, if, you're, if it's something that you're interested in, it's like we kind of talked about before, broaching the conversation kind of as early as possible. I mean, there's a fine line of when you bring it up. Um, first date, Amanda? You know, probably not, but, you know, who knows? Um, you know, but being able to broach that conversation in a way that your partner feels that you're not attacking them or you're and you're giving them the time to think about it um, and explaining the benefits. I mean, so really the things that we're talking about here today, being able to talk to your future partner and say, you know, this isn't about me not trusting you. This isn't about me not wanting, you know, you to have anything it's that I want us to have these conversations and discuss you know what would happen if we did get divorced and how do we want to manage our assets and our debts while we're married um, I think that even a step before that can be you know if you're, if you're not necessarily at the point where you're thinking about a prenup but you haven't had those financial conversations with your significant other or even with your fiance you know making sure that you do that and you know it can be really anxious and hard the first time you do it but setting up times to make sure that you have those conversations yeah i think that's great advice and, and one of the things that i um, would love to get your thoughts on is is there a difference between a couple that's going um, getting married for the first time versus one or both of them are remarrying in terms of their openness and willingness to talk about money and potentially do a prenup 
Yeah, certainly. I would say that um, the majority of the clients that I work with on prenups, although not all, I think it's shifting, um, are second or third marriages. And I think that the reason that they're more open to it and more likely to is a couple of reasons. One, they've been through the divorce process and they know what it was like. And a lot of times they come to me saying, oh my God, I never want to do that again. I never want to fight over it. I don't want to have to deal with that. So they want to put things in place from the get-go so that they don't end up in that position again. I also think that when there are children involved um, from a first marriage, then when you're going into a second or third marriage, there's the idea of making sure that your children are protected as well as your future spouse. And make you know having the ability to have those conversations at the beginning and make sure that things are in writing can really, you know, make sure that there aren't issues down the road on death or divorce where, you know, the kids and the new spouse end up having arguments over things. So there's certainly that issue that I see a lot as well. Yeah, I do. I, in my experience, second marriages, it becomes, you know, like anything with time and trial and error, you figure out, oh, you know, I may be a little bit uncomfortable initially with this conversation, um, but it's a lot less discomfort than if we um, put everything underneath the rug and then things don't work out or we start to fight about it. Um, so I, I, I appreciate um, those insights and the tips and tools that you've offered today. You know, I want to, I'm sure there's people out there who are listening, Amanda, and saying, you know, this is just scratching the surface for me. So can you tell people a little bit more about how they could find out more about you and your work and um, any other resources that they can kind of tap into around learning more about premarital conversations and prenuptial agreements. Yeah, certainly. So you can find us online at SanDiegoFamilyMediation.com. And our website has a lot of different information about not just the services we offer, but we have a blog um, online. And there are a couple different articles that I've written about prenups or premarital financial planning or just, you know, that kind of area, as well as, um, you know, other, other information that we provide. The other thing I would say is there's a book that I've used in a lot of stuff that I've done, which I'm pretty sure, I'm trying to remember the exact title, but I'm pretty sure it's, um, like prenups are for love, uh, prenups for lovers. And that's a great, um, book that kind of gives some tools on how to approach the conversation and, you know, talks about, uh, what you can expect and things like that. Awesome. Well, I will include those resources, uh, under in the comment section of the blog or the write-up of the blog that goes with this particular podcast. And Amanda, as always, it's so fun and insightful to uh, have a chat with you and a conversation. So thank you for taking the time out to spend some time on Breaking Money Silence. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at BreakingMoneySilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to KBKWealthConnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.